Have you ever wondered why you're not making a podcast? Maybe because you think it's too hard. Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I mean, you're immediately in the podcast game. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So right now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Just go to A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M and join me on Anchor. Broadcasting from the heart of Cascadia and the edge of the world, welcome to Night Drift, presented by Euphemed. I'm Jim Perry. Thank you for listening to this bonus series. Tonight, in front of a live Patreon audience, Chris H. Hardy, PhD, we look behind the veil into the spirit world and explore non-local consciousness. How are we on the other side? What can we expect? This now, on this bonus series... Night Drift, presented by Euphemed. Chris H. Hardy is a cognitive and systems scientist, PhD in psychological anthropology and ex-researcher at Princeton's Psychophysical Research Laboratories. Her new book, Living Souls in the Spirit Dimension, The Afterlife and Transdimensional Reality, is an examination of our consciousness's ability to pass between dimensions, both in life and after death, and how to communicate with spirits. Chris Hardy from France, thank you so much for joining us today on Night Drift by Euphemet. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. I think, you know, I know when a conversation is going to be just so good and so fruitful when we can't even help ourselves from just getting right to it right out of the gate. So <laughs> I appreciate that very much. So and you got me really kind of wound up here because there's so much to explore. And on this show in particular, we've been speaking a lot about our relationship with the paranormal and esoteric and natures of our consciousness, modalities of our consciousness that is, you know, sort of now being revealed by not just you know, sort of mystic and spiritual information that has been passed down, but scientific information. And that's why I thought it was it was so brilliant to kind of have you involved in this conversation because of your past work. And it's just so fascinating, the personal and the scientific aspects you display, uh, especially in this newest work of yours. I feel that, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like the most personal work you've done thus far. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yes, um, I definitely had a shift like uh, in uh, 2015 mm-hmm. when I started uh, working on, uh, on this uh, cosmology theory and linking it with all my previous work on uh, psi phenomena and, uh, on the psi- psychology and the uh, theory of consciousness. Right. Yeah, and it felt like, in addition to you combining all of this, connecting the dots really is maybe a better way to say it, that there was a lot of you in this seemingly. I, I, I felt a lot of your personal experiences. I felt a lot of your intent. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of your journey really started with an introduction to things like meditation and yoga, right? Yeah, that's right. When I was uh, 18 years old, yes. Yeah, and can you describe a little bit about the first time you really realized, you know, the exploration of consciousness 
was going to be a big part of your life. Yes, there is one time when I was uh, 18 years old and, uh, and it was just before I started uh, meditating and I think it was uh, an abrupt awakening of thought but a strange one because it was uh, while I was uh, I, I started being very interested on the reading all the ancient treaties mm. uh, on uh, Eastern uh, religions on the and, and then I went, of course, into esoterica, and uh, I was uh, very, very uh, deep reading into that. And uh, at one point, uh, very early on, I fell on uh, a book uh, which was a translation of uh, a few Upanishad, Upanishad mm. uh, which is the Advaita Vedanta uh, philosophy. It's uh, the oneness or non-duality philosophy of India. And mm. it's uh, very interesting because uh, it's like Taoism. It's a, it's a philosophy and not a religion of uh, about ascension on how you can get to a state of uh, knowing, we will say, because I, I don't like big words, you know, mm. enlightenment <laughs> and all that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I find sure. that really... Uh, Failing. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I'm failing, so I, I have to find other words because I cannot. Uh, I believe I had some very strong experiences, and uh, I'm not an illuminated being uh, 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I reach a state where I am really in touch, let's say, right. with. Uh, a kind of uh, oneness or a cosmic consciousness, but even even then, you know, when you do that, it's still uh, as much a tiny part of uh, mm. cosmic consciousness as your mind can reach, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, <laughs> it's it's interesting because it's it's almost as if there's a part of that phenomenon of consciousness that that reminding yourself of being a human or being yes. within this like sort of meat bag at this time is just a part of that process. And yeah. it kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, uh, how can I uh, say? Uh, it's like uh, we are here uh, for a certain reason, you know, Mm. I know that at one point I, I was discussing with uh, uh, a higher being, let's say, on a different dimension, and, uh, which I recognize as uh, the node of my group soul. Mm. So it was not my soul, it was my group soul, you mm. know? So, of which I am uh, like one facet over 100 uh, something, you know. Mm. Mm. So, I was asking this uh, person, if you know so much, if you you are able to do so much to understand uh, the deep reality of uh, of the multiverse, how is it that, uh, what can we bring? Why? Is there anything we can really bring by being on Earth, living our uh, incarnated life? And uh, he said, uh, yes, of course. It's like, uh, uh, for me, in my dimension, I hardly remember what it is to be human, what Mm. it is to be in a body. Mm. And uh, uh, we are not able to to do anything, to have any influence on uh, the real uh, events in your societies. So for anything that has to do with, uh, uh, now it's me uh, um, interpreting, for anything that has to do with uh, our our social life and also the the possible uh, awakening of uh, humanity, uh, it's us doing it. It's uh, even if they can uh, help us by uh, 
by our contact uh, with the hyperdimension, with being uh, living on the hyperdimension, either the, the ascended souls or the people that are uh, deceased in between incarnations, you know. Yeah. Even if we can uh, get uh, some information, uh, the work, the main work is resting on us. Mm. Right. And it's something, it's very, very important for me. I was uh, working for a few years, for a few years uh, on the Anunnaki, on the Sumerian tablets. Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh, I have read too many times uh, researcher. Uh, trying to get people afraid, like, uh, oh, you know, uh, this one, this Anunnaki will be returning, and sure. again, they, oh, no, yeah. I, mean, I mean, this is true, it's really stupid, uh, I find. Mm. Uh, it's like, uh, they were there, there is no question about that, uh, that we, they, they brought us uh, by genetic engineering they brought us to life uh on the that's it uh it's uh, now our fate the fate of humanity is uh, in the hands of humanity and we better really uh be realizing that uh, sooner than later because uh, yeah. the people that are uh, channeling uh, you know uh, ancient treaties and ancient religions sometimes forget, you know, that uh, we have something new this. to do. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. The work. Yeah. What you're saying is like the work continues and that we're not going to really, at the end of the day, be able to hide behind religion, hide behind, you know, false personality that at the end of the day, we bring, ourselves to this other plane and that work continues and we're still going to have to really live with the work that we've been doing in this space it seems but all that aside you know i was hoping that you could you could take us back to princeton and your research done there uh sort of let's time travel a little bit take us on a time machine back to your work at princeton and describe what that environment was like what were you like you know, how fun or challenging or mysterious was that work at that time? Uh, well, I'm going to try to be quick because I don't like to, uh, uh, to stay too long on the past. Uh, <laughs> let's say that uh, as, as, as we said uh, earlier, I, I started my life by meditating on the, as soon uh, as I, walk through those books and then uh, starting to meditate, I uh, finished uh, my uh, Bachelor of Arts uh, and uh, immediately, uh, even before I got the, the real paper, you know, by the post, I just, uh, I knew I had, uh, I had it and I just uh, hit the road and went uh, first uh, with a friend to her family on the Sufi master in uh, Iran, mm. and, and where I learned with this uh, person. And then uh, when I thought I had uh, uh, completed this part of, uh, of my understanding, mm. at least, uh, because it was very informal. Mm. Uh, I was mostly meditating. I had no uh, formal uh, teaching. Uh, I thought it was time to hit the road toward India, which had been all along since I was uh, 15 years old, my uh, unwavering uh, aim, you know. So... Uh, I, I took uh, my little bag from my suitcase and uh, um, I just hit the road uh, by myself uh, oh, one day. And then I met people on the way and I traveled with them through uh, the hard, uh, difficult countries like Afghanistan and uh, 
on the Pakistan. Sure. And then in India, I, I kind of uh, uh, traveled by myself hitchhiking. So I, I did uh, two times uh, a year, on the, first time a year and a half in India, and I went back to France to kind of uh, replenish uh, my body a little. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then I hit right. the road by crossing Africa, the whole of Africa, and went back to India. Wow. And that second trip was again a year and a half. So, and then for the next uh, eight or nine years, I was uh, basically uh, uh, traveling around the world uh, by myself without money. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, learning with anybody I could uh, I could uh, learn, you know. Sure. And yeah. so when uh, then I after uh, ten years, uh, twelve years, uh, I was nearly thirty years old. I decided that uh, in between I had a relationship, and uh, during this relationship. Uh, I did a, a mastery, uh, and, um, and so I had my mastery, and uh, then I decided that uh, I was back in France from Africa at that time when I was 28, and I decided that uh, I wanted to do a, a doctoral thesis, and it had to be in parapsychology. And so I started a long search of nearly two years to find a thesis director in France mm. that would accept that I do a thesis on parapsychology. Mm. And finally, I found one. He was connected with the state. I went to visit all the labs in the state because I, I told him I'm not going to do anything before I see what's happening uh, in uh, in the states, sure, yeah. So uh, I was received by a lab, the Rhine Lab, and they uh, mm. they offered me their phone and uh, the phone number of all the labs and the researchers. And I ended up uh, in two months going to see like fifteen or sixteen. You know, there were not so many labs and the researchers, so it was like uh, fifteen or sixteen of them. Yeah, uh, everywhere in the state, and uh, with an open millage ticket, so that was it. <laughs> and, uh, and then, so in one of the labs, they offered me to come for uh, to, to work for one year, and uh, so I was in uh, this pre-doctoral uh, kind of uh, situation. And of course, I was very happy. I, I, and I went there the year after. I had a book to finish with uh, uh, a biologist uh, at the time. And so I finished the book and then uh, it was about next year. The next year I went to the state. So it was a, a Princeton uh, lab, a psychophysical research lab, PRL was a lab. Uh, I was the seventh person working there. Wow. And it was uh, specifically with uh, Chuck Norton. It was uh, the director. It was specifically uh, focused on uh, the, with the first computers, you know, mm. the Apple IIe. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, that was uh, 83. Mm -hmm. uh, I, we were, uh, enfin, Chuck Norton had uh, was steering a research on telepathy using the Gansfeld uh, protocol, uh, mm -hmm. which is a uniform field uh, on uh, on your eye and uh, in your ears, and wow. it's uh, it's creating a kind of uh, uh, between uh, sleep and and wakefulness uh, kind of uh, state hypnagogic state mm. and, and then it's very prone to uh, having a, a kind of a telepathic uh, message coming to the consciousness wow. and so that was it uh, and then uh, I met uh, my husband uh, uh, my future husband let's say <laughs> in, uh, in the lab I started a relationship and then two years later we came back uh, to live in Paris, 
and start a lab by ourselves. Yeah. So wow. uh, the the problem I had, if I want to to be a, a little bit uh, critical about mm-hmm. uh, the parapsychological research, of course I did my thesis. I had the, the highest honor on uh, uh, a thesis on uh, psi phenomena mm. on tra- trance state because it was in uh, ethnopsychology. Yeah. Uh, on the and I, half of the of the thesis was on uh, uh, the state uh, modified alter state of consciousness conducive of uh, psi on the research that had been done on that, so on dreams, uh, uh, meditation, etc. On the the other part was on uh, psi phenomena that could have been. Uh, already uh, studied by uh, mm. uh, by ethnologists yeah right so so when uh, when i reach uh, when i reach uh, the lab and i started working there uh, let's remember that i had 12 years of meditation uh, i i am a very uh, gifted psy subject i cannot say otherwise mm. And in many different domains. Yeah, you have you, so, you had lived experience at that point. Voila, voila, that's yeah. it. I had already uh, an enormous experience of uh, meditation, uh, samadhi state, of uh, psi phenomena of uh, any kind. All this in a totally informal uh, type of informal type of uh, life. Right. Because I'm a I'm a writer I'm a creative uh, writer, and I was already writing all kind of stuff, and so um, I, these uh, phenomena were were kind of falling on me, you know, uh, and I would learn from them. It's like I mm. when I was meditating, I was teaching myself meditation before I could uh, learn with different people. Mm. And it was always my own self that was uh, guiding me. Yeah, right. So it was a little uh, hard for me because uh, I realized that the researcher in parapsychology, uh, it's not like they are skeptical. Some are skeptical and they are doing a terrible uh, harm to the field. They have done all the time. And that's why I'm not in that field anymore. Yeah, I'm just... uh, I don't have my time to lose, you know, with just yeah. uh, skeptical people. Who, um, but uh, many people that believe in a psi, they believe in a certain type of psi. It has to be falling into their own uh, category, you know. Mm. I give you an example. And so I was not uh, very uh, happy uh, with the research. I was very happy uh, that they were able, at the lab, we were able to prove with an incredible uh, uh, positive statistics that uh, uh, telepathy was indeed uh, possible in the general population. But uh, I was not happy with all the other type of uh, psi that were not inside those categories on that I knew existed, you know. Mm, very interesting. What What are some examples of that? Um, uh, example of uh, psi phenomena that are not, uh, for example, the... Yeah, that was disputed by the establishment there or the program that you knew had truth to it. Well, uh, um, it's it's so extended that I I yeah, I hardly I can uh, list any. Uh, it's like yeah, I get it's it. like if you understand uh, that. I mean, I came to understand very quickly when with the first phenomena, I was seeing, for example, not only aura around people like everybody, mm-hmm. on the, which uh, some. Uh, Example I could find uh, even in the ancient uh, 
Eastern treaties. Right. But right. I was seeing uh, auras around sacred objects. Mm. Uh, for mm-hmm. example, I, uh, on uh, arriving near an altar in uh, in India while I was uh, chanting, uh, I would uh, I would start bending towards uh, the shrine or the, the god or goddess who was uh, there, and the 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 bell would start ringing by itself while I was absolutely alone in a very oh, wow. small shrine, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So uh, another time uh, I, I was so hungry that uh, I, I was uh, sleeping under a tree and I had not remarked that there, there was uh, some kind of uh, stone on the little altar behind the tree because it was a very thick uh, two trees uh, together and it, it was creating a very thick thicket, um, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I saw a man arriving with a, a large uh, pack of bananas and I decided to go the other side of the tree where he was going. And I saw that there was this uh, stone, and uh, and of course I was I was desperately hungry. I had not eaten. When I was hungry like that, it was like I had not eaten for four days. You know, <laughs> three days, three days was okay. Wow. The third yeah. third day without uh, just a little tea, uh, one tea by day right. or two teas by day. So I you were like, I'm I'm going to try okay. to get one of these bananas. I got to go find this banana guy. <laughs> yes, yes. So basically, I, I wait. Uh, I, I, I go with the man. He's making some little prayer. Uh, I go with him and I salute the shrine with him and all that. And then at the end, uh, he, he put, he take one banana from the big uh, pack and he put one banana uh, on the shrine for the goddess. Mm. And then he, he take one banana and he give me one banana because I had participated in the ritual. And then he leaves. And so I eat my banana like, uh, like uh, so I swallow it like uh, one time, you know? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then, then I'm, I'm still so hungry and it has made me even more hungry. Sure. I, I look at the banana for the goddess Oh no! And I know the goddess is existing, you know. Yeah. And so I, I say, uh, excuse me, please, uh, goddess. I don't know whose goddess, who, who she is, but I say, please, excuse me. I'm so hungry. Uh, please let me. I have a body. You don't have a body. Please let yeah. me. Right. Right. Let me take your banana. And I, I take the banana, and I start eating it, and I put my teeth. In the in the in the banana, I peel it. I put my teeth in the banana, and I receive a big uh, blow on my head, on the top of my head. Whoa. And I know it's a it's a goddess who is not uh, happy. Yeah! So, wow! And I have this banana in my hand, and I say, please excuse me. Uh, Please, uh, you have to let me eat this banana. I'm just too hungry. I yeah. have, uh, I'm going to. I may die if I don't eat the banana. Or, right. uh, I know you are existing. I know you are there. It's not disrespect from right. me. But right. please let like, me have the that's, banana. That's why I'm having a conversation <laughs> with you right now. You know, that's why I'm asking. I get it. And then, then now I hear, I listen, and I feel that the goddess is okay that I can eat a banana. So, but I had explained that I knew the goddess was there, that it was not a disrespect yeah. for her or not. That. So I finished eating <laughs> the banana and uh, I don't receive any more blow. And then I, I turn around like uh, the 10 meters to back to the little cove under the two trees where I had slept for two, two nights already. And when I reached the other side of the tree, because uh, the side of the altar was the side of the, it was on the beach, 
And there was absolutely nobody nowhere, you know. Yeah. Uh, people were, the houses were like 300, 400 meters at least. But when I reached the other side, uh, which was a tiny promontory, it was, it was a, a sacred tree. And uh, I could see that uh, ascetics had come and say where I was staying. Mm. Because they, they had all kinds of little uh, things in the trees, you know, okay. like pieces of uh, materials mm-hmm. of all colors and, and incense uh, everywhere. And when I reached the other side, I, I hear very far away a type of uh, some kind of music. And uh, I decided to go there, follow the music. It was, I had not sat down yet. You understand? I had just talked to the goddess and I had turned the other side and I explained how much hungry I was. And and then I hear the music. I decide to go and follow the music. And when I reached there, there was some kind of gathering. And there was, uh, there was food for everybody. Oh, so wow. I had a, I had a, I had a big uh, <laughs> dinner, you know, like, <laughs> because it was a uh, night was falling when when he came to the Hindu came to make his uh, ritual. Right. So the oh, so wow. finally the goddess helped me to have some food. Sure. It was, uh, very nice. Yeah, it seems like they. So felt how do you classify? How do you classify something like that? Right. I mean, uh, you have some uh, beings that are uh, definitely uh, living into another dimension. And I know now uh, that it is a hyper dimension that you can uh, model in uh, in quantum physics. And uh, so it's uh, it's a very interesting uh, time for me. Yeah. Because I am now able to look at, at all kinds of phenomena that were not uh, categorized by uh, psychology, and I'm able to see how they can fit uh, another type of uh, physics. You know? We'll be right back with more here on Night Drift, presented by Euphemed. Follow Euphemet on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. From the heart of Cascadia and the edge of the world, Euphemet presents Night Drift. With Jim Perry. Yeah, I'm sure you're able to take all of those anecdotal sort of lived experiences and then see the confrontation that had sort of occurred in that, you know, sort of scientific establishment, what they were pushing back on. And that's an opportunity to explore even further, right? And, and to dig even deeper and, and to press into that. And there's so much, there's so much yet unexplored. And uh, so I, I think that's, I think that's fantastic. And one of the, you know, parts within your new book, Living Souls in the Spirit Dimension, the afterlife and transdimensional reality, you know, you include the spirit and the science. And I think it's an integrated experience, if anything. And that's, that's really fascinating to me. Now, going back to the book, you know, let's travel now to 2020. <laughs> Sounds like a horrible thing to do in any sort of timeline. But let's go now and let's talk a little bit about the trans transdimensional reality. Can you explain what that theory is 
and, and what the transdimensional reality looks like. What are we encountering here? The first way we can uh, come to know the, this transdimensional uh, reality is uh, because uh, it's where we stay in between incarnations mm. and it is where the deceased, our, uh, our deceased uh, friends and uh, parents are uh, living in between incarnations. So I am not saying that I have understood, uh, hopefully not, because I would not have anything to do anymore, but I don't, I have not understood any, uh, everything, uh-huh, right. but uh, I have some inkling, you know, uh, because I had some uh, many conversations with uh, deceased people, including when I was uh, writing, uh, making some research in cosmology in the series of other people, when I, I prepared my own book on uh, on cosmology so basically i had uh, come up with my own theory in uh, very quickly like 17 uh, days mm, wow uh, day and night you know it was like uh, an incredible state of uh, creativity yeah wow on on the then a year and a half later i spent like 9 months um doing uh, an investigation of all other theories mm. that dealt with consciousness. Mm. And of course, those also who did not deal, deal, uh, deal with uh, consciousness. And uh, during this uh, research work that was uh, mainly uh, left brain, let's say, uh, but conjoined, you know, with right brain. Sure. While I was working at my table every night, all night, uh, some uh, researcher would uh, show up uh, near my desk. While I was, I, I emphasized that I was very deeply focused on my own work, like my writing, uh, you know, uh, with uh, many... Uh, different type of files open. I mean, it sure. was uh, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then, no, because uh, the researchers, the psi researchers, believe that you are able to have some kind of uh, psi phenomena only when you are in a kind of right brain state, meaning in an intuitive, meditative, global mm. thinking, uh, peak state, uh, you know, mm. and it's not true. Uh, you can have, uh, I mean, there is a certain degree of uh, integration that uh, I believe is the path for the future uh, for humanity. Mm. It's the integration between left brain and right brain uh, where you can. Um, kind of uh, develop uh, an intuitive mm. theory of something sure. and yeah. you can also uh, have uh, an analysis of uh, of peak uh, psi or intuitive or meditative experiences mm. you see you, we this is the path of the future we are not uh, we have been like for some for four centuries we have been in the left brain hyper rationality and we have uh, forgotten uh, we had forgotten nearly everything about our right brain and the capacity uh, to live uh, alter state of consciousness sure, and right. to to be in our larger more global holistic uh, consciousness yeah, and right. uh, I believe our future is uh, an integration of, of the two. Mm. So I, I was uh, having this conversation that uh, most of the time were uh, centered on, on my theory and on cosmology and uh, physics with mostly 
they were all scientists. And, uh, and so it was very interesting and uh, I could ask them on the, the, the very, very important point that I could gather from uh, uh, all those conversations with them was that they are themselves working and still evolving. They are themselves considering themselves as researchers right. on their way, on their way. There is a, I have met absolutely not one of them who sought even uh, my, uh, uh, the node of my uh, group soul was not behaving like uh, a guru, you know. Right. There was, a, there was still a humanity there or an imperfection almost, right? That was all inclusive, would you say? There is a, there is a research, a dynamics of researching and on, on willing to know more. Yeah. And it's like all the other researchers, whatever their way, whatever their... Uh, their life style or whatever, you know, they are on their way, they are researching, you know, right? or they yeah. are searching their way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there is a, it's like when I was traveling in India on the, I was a, I was a traveling sadhu, you know, I was a, a traveling ascetics with the traveling ascetics. Yeah, wow. And I would, uh, the only thing is that I was not walking, I was uh, hitchhiking. But every night I would get to, uh, uh, when I would see the, the sun coming down, you know, I would ask uh, whatever vehicle had taken, given me a lift, I would ask to get out at the first village. And, and then I would be the guest of the village. Uh, we are talking about tiny roads anywhere in India, like Rajasthan or whatever. Sure, right. And, uh, and then I would, uh, I would immediately try to spot the red um, scarf of a flag of the sadhu, of a mm. temple. And then I would uh, stay for the night with them. Mm. It, only when uh, there was no sadhu temple, I would uh, stay with some uh, family in the village. But uh, it's like the sadhus, you know, they were uh, incredibly, I mean, some of them, I was uh, 20 something, and 21, and they were like, uh, some of them were quite aged already. And it was like, everybody is, on a search, you know, mm. on everybody, you are a man, a woman, I don't care. You are on a search, please be welcome, come in. We are going to share our chapati with you. It's yeah. uh, they, we are not talking, you know, anymore, but uh, it was a, a feeling of uh, share share consciousness also very very deep feeling of belonging yeah you know is there something within your own pursuits right now as a writer but you know you're a speaker as well and an educator you know is that the sort of feeling or vibe that you are trying to share with others with your work yes of course i i hope so <laughs> i mean you know yeah. Uh, yes, of course. I, I, uh, in fact, I would say that uh, as, a, as far as uh, spirituality in my life is uh, concerned, I believe that the people who have dogma and dogmatic uh, types of, uh, of practice uh, are... Uh, the main obstacle to uh, the awakening of humanity. Mm. I, I believe that uh, it's like, you know, it's, it's a new dimension we have to explore. 
a, a new dimension of the universe, like the hyper-dimension of the souls, of the ascended uh, souls. But it's also a new dimension, the hyper-dimension in ourself, ourself, with a uppercase. And uh, our own self is dwelling is in this hyper-dimension with these ascended masters. Mm. We're right, always right there. Now, right, we're always there, yes. even right now. Yes, yeah. yes, mm. yes. Mm. While we are talking, your own self and my own self are having a totally different type of conversation with some other people mm. are there, you know? Yeah, right. It's like, it's, like, uh, it's not because uh, we, uh, in our ego consciousness, are able to access this hyper-dimension only when we are in a peak state or only when we are uh, in a dream state, that our own self is always there. Because there is the time, our own uh, space-time is not existing in the same way in the hyper-dimension. Hmm. You see? Interesting. Yeah. And when, so when they want to contact us, it's like they have to find a way to intrude into our space on time at a specific point in our space time. Mm. Like they almost have to wait for those peak moments to be able to do it? Or are there ways that they can help create those peak moments to then peek through to the other side like that? Um, they, are, they can help, but our, our main guide is our own self. Mm. Our own self is the one who is creating uh, opportunities and synchronicities on the meeting of some people, on the going to specific places, mm. discovering some uh, books. The angel of libraries, I believe, is our own self. Our guardian angel, I believe, is our own self. So, yeah. yeah. So in a lot of the sort of paranormal, for lack of better terms, it, uh, stories that I encounter out on the road documenting, you know, these individuals that have had incredible experiences, you know, there almost seems to be a reflective nature to a lot of the phenomenon. In your belief, would you attribute that to this hyperdimensional self uh, contributing to these experiences? And so with that imbued personality of that individual, then of course it feels reflective and of course it feels personal in that way? Uh, I, I don't grasp uh, perfectly well what you mean by reflected. I suppose, you know, if... You know, if our hyperdimensional selves are responsible for or can be responsible for things like synchronicities or different events in our life that are filled with sort of wonder and awe, I guess what I'm asking is, are they responsible for all of those? And is it why those events, those sort of paranormal events, feel so personal? Uh, no, I... Well, it's very difficult to answer this question. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you why. Because uh, we have no idea how much our own, uh, of our own consciousness and thinking is done by our higher self, mm. by our uh, upper self. Sure. So yeah. it's like, it's like uh, if you take your higher self as a guide, uh, he, uh, they, uh, he or she, whatever, can do no more than what you allow he or she to do. Mm. It's like, interesting. you know, I mean, our higher self is beyond duality, beyond gender, and you can project it as a as a they, as a she, as a he, as you want, as a androgen, as you want. But it's like, um, 
it's like uh, if you if you are uh, i mean the, the the thing it's uh, simple in a way and i'm going to take this simple uh, way to explain it please is that you have you have an <laughs> ego consciousness uh which is uh, the the mostly a body consciousness and the emotional consciousness uh, that is a focus on your social uh, life, mm. on your work, on your profession, on your uh, interrelational uh, emotions and uh, your uh, intellectual uh, uh, belief uh, on the, all this. And this ego consciousness is our ordinary uh, state of consciousness mm. is also uh, the one having very strong belief uh, and if you but the belief can be uh, for example i don't believe in you know this is a very strong belief sure like yeah. a, a skeptical yeah, person who don't believe in uh, afterlife in uh, psi phenomena is a is a strong believer right. in a rational and materialist materialistic universe. Mm -hmm. you know? Right, correct. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, if uh, if you want to get access to uh, your own psi potentials because we all have an incredible uh, potential for uh, spirituality, high state of consciousness on the psi phenomena, psi capacities. If you want to develop them, uh, then you, the way which is uh, the basic way you have in all religions and all paths of uh, yoga, and all esoteric path is uh, to connect with your own higher self. How you do that is uh, is your own choice. There are so many ways. It's like in Hindu yoga, you have already something like uh, a half dozen paths. Mm. You have the yoga of devotion, the Kundalini yoga, the yoga uh, royal yoga, which is the yoga of everyday life, etc. The yoga of knowledge, the yoga of uh, so many uh, paths of right. yoga. Yeah. And if you if you are uh, in another type of uh, religion, you will find also different paths. So the 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 kind of uh, Pass we have in uh, Western religion, the religion of the books, is mostly uh, a, a, a yoga of devotion, of prayer. Mm -hmm. uh, but you have, uh, you can learn about your own spirituality uh, also by creative state. On, on state, uh, for example, playing music, uh, and, uh, writing, painting, right. uh, having uh, experiencing a shared consciousness with uh, groups of people. Yeah. So that's why in uh, in the Hindu religion you have so many paths. It's like they un they understood and they believe that given the fact that there are so many different types of personalities, psychological personalities, uh, each psychological personality will find a path that is most adapted to, this, to his own uh, psychological profile, let's say. Mm. And an artist... Uh, for example, in uh, in the ancient uh, customs about uh, uh, sacred music, I mean, all music was sacred in India, but uh, classical music, you had gurus of classical music. And the, whoever wanted to learn uh, the raga and uh, the classical music, 
had to go through an initiation with his music or her music master. Mm. So this was one path also that is uh, hardly talk about. It's very secret. Yeah, right. And essentially all these paths find your way to some sort of peak which connects with the greater consciousness. We actually have a uh, question from one of our patrons. David asks, does this relate to Jung and the collective consciousness? Yes, perfectly, perfectly. Uh, it's, uh, it's like uh, I'm also a, a great believer. I mean, a, a great researcher on Jung. <laughs> uh, I mean, Jung has been uh, in my life uh, since ever since uh, I am awakened in my own mind. Mm. Voilà. And uh, it's like uh, the concept of uh, um, the collective unconscious has been uh, brought by Jung uh, to be a psychological concept uh, for the, the idea of uh, what was in uh, alchemy, the Anima Mondi, the, mm. the soul of the world, the world soul, the Anima Mondi. Mm. And uh, it was also, you know, this is the same concept you have uh, in uh, the Tao. Uh, the Tao in uh, Taoism is uh, the cosmic consciousness that uh, in, uh, in the Tao, it's very interesting because uh, it's a philosophy. Uh, and uh, it's like you have a field of consciousness that is uh, of uh, divine consciousness, of uh, higher consciousness, that is penetrating uh, all the living on all matter in the universe. And uh, the most uh, interesting uh, point about uh, the Tao is uh, when uh, in the Tao teaching you have a sentence saying, I love this sentence, it's saying, when the wise man is in peace with oneself, uh, all things are in peace, peaceful, in a very, very large, uh, thousands of miles away. Mm. And when the wise person is not at peace with oneself, then everything, 1,000 kilometers around, are in disorganized, on, on, in chaos. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it was pointing to the fact that the Tao is uh, a field of harmony that is uh, woven at a very uh, deep layer of uh, all the living. And, and this is uh, very, very near the concept of uh, hyperdimension. Yes. So when Jung... When Jung was uh, getting on this uh, concept of uh, the anima mondi in alchemy, and then he proposed uh, the concept of uh, collective uh, conscious, I mean, collective unconscious, uh, it was because at a certain uh, point in the evolution of a being and also of humanity, because I believe we are making a shift specifically in that sense, uh, at, at, at a point in the, in the living of a person, uh, you have the higher self, which is the, the immortal soul of the person, is within the unconscious because the ego has not connected with this higher self yet. Mm. Mm. And so, uh, in, a, in a psychological uh, framework, like uh, the one uh, Jung uh, was uh, living uh, in, in it, uh, it's evident that uh, the higher self is unconscious and still guiding you through dreams, 
through uh, synchronicities, what we were saying earlier. But if you start, like Jung did himself, he, he made his uh, plunge into the collect uh, collective unconscious for something like 14 years. Mm. And that's where he had all kinds of conversations with people that were immaterial beings, ascended masters, you know, like Philemon. And uh, at one point, when you are starting uh, a path of uh, a quest for knowledge, for knowledge of about your own self, then whatever, as I said, whatever is your path, uh, your aim is to be more and more attuned to your higher self, and then more and more in harmony with your higher self, and at some point, in some specific uh, high state of consciousness, you are going to be in the state of consciousness of your higher self. Like when you say, I, this I is already your higher self. Oh. Like in Samadhi, you know, <laughs> right. in Samadhi, when, when you are in a state of uh, harmony with uh, the whole environment around you, it's, it's very, uh, if I can describe a, a state of Samadhi that I, I was experienced, there are many different types of Samadhi, but there is a, a Samadhi, that, for example, I, I would be in, in a state of inner silence, watching the sunset on the, on the beach in India. And then suddenly I get into a state where I am inside, inside the beach, inside mm. the sun setting, inside the wall on a uh, landscape. I'm in it, you know, it's, it's yeah. difficult to, the inside become everything. Mm. <laughs> you see, it's, it's yeah. a state that is called contemplation in uh, Zen uh, Buddhism, for mm. example, that you, you, are, you become one with the object of uh, contemplation. And when you contemplate a landscape, you become one with the landscape. And this is a state of samadhi, and in this state, you hear a sound. I'm talking about being alone on a beach, you know, where there is no sound because there is nobody living there. People are very far away. Yeah. And you hear a sound, which is a, a sound of, uh, it's diff very difficult to, it's a sound of home. It's a, it's a gold. It's a sound mm. of uh, of the gold metal, you know, it's like, yeah, right. it's a round, round sound, which is the ohm sound. Mm. And it's, it's a sound of the harmony of all things on the mm. living being that are in it, you know? Yeah, wow. Being in, in the Tao, in the... Well, I, you know, uh, Chris, I have so many more questions for you every time you bring up a point. I have another sort of roadway that I think we could go down for this uh, introduction conversation. I, I think it's been wonderful. And folks can now pick up your book, Living Souls in the Spirit Dimension, The Afterlife and Transmental Reality, right here in the show notes for Night Drift. And where else can folks find your work, Chris? Uh, well, they can, uh, they can find uh, my work on uh, all my books on uh, amazon.com in english also uh, i have a few books on uh, in french for example a book uh, the uh, which is uh, in french the prediction of uh, carl jung of jung's prediction mm. uh, fascinating yes it's a little uh, i i have not found a publisher uh, to publish this it's a very jungian you know <laughs> you have to learn french i guess <laughs> uh, and um, they also I have my website uh, which is uh, Chris C-H-R-I-S 
dash H dash Hardy H A R D Y dot com. So Chris dash H dash Hardy dot com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for allowing us some of your time today. And I appreciate it. And I hope it's only the first of many conversations with you, my friend. Okay. Thank you so much. (laughs) Take care. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this edition of Night Drift, presented by Euphemed. Thank you again to our guest, Chris H. Hardy. You can find links to her recent books and website in the show notes. Purchases of books from Euphemet-provided Amazon links now help support the show. To be a part of our next live Zoom interview, join us on Patreon. It's $5 per month and includes access to Euphemet, the original series, and much more. Thank you to The Daily Shine and Anchor.fm for everything Euphemet, including how you can subscribe to the show, our short film series with Carl Pfeiffer of Hellier, merchandise, and links to all of our social media, visit Euphemet.com. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Perry, and until next time, keep looking up. Follow Euphemet on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes.